Hi, I'm Jay John. Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is lead worshipper Noel Robinson. Noel Robinson, welcome to Facing the Canon. Wow, this is such an honor to be here uh, to face you. Oh, no. <laughs> this is so good. Delighted. We've uh, we've been friends for years and we've ministered together Absolutely. and it's just a joy. Always when we're together, there is sacred synergy. Yeah, always an amazing time just um, being a part of your team, uh, doing uh, events and not just events, just being a part of what oh, God is doing. We love it, Noel. Yeah. Well, we want to hear a bit about your story. Where were you born, Noel? I was actually born in London, actually. I was born in London, northwest London, in uh, a wonderful area called Wilsdon. It's an yes. old area. Yeah. Um, uh, you probably know the Bishop of Wilsdon. <laughs> so we do. Uh, we but do. That's, where I, that's where I was actually born. And, um, and your parents are from? The Caribbean, Jamaica, the island of Jamaica. So I am part of the Windrush um, community, or they were the first sort of like second generation of Windrush coming to this country as immigrants. Oh, and you grew up in the Christian faith. So would you say that you've always known the Lord? Um, I'd say I'd always, I'd always n- known about the Lord, but I was around nine when I really got to know him. Because one of the things about growing up in, in a Christian home, there's always this tension between um, well, I'm doing what my parents said I've got to do, and actually now wanting to do that because this is this is what you want to do, you know. Um, sure. And I think that I, 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 about eight or nine, when I went, I think about eight years old, I went, ah, yeah, I want to be baptised. I, I, I want to know this Jesus. And in my own simple way, that's what I was. I became baptised, and I was a part of the band at church by then playing. Um, uh, my mum had died when I was five years old, so um, my dad was really the one that um, you know kept kept me. Um, but what was powerful about that time was the church community was incredibly profound. We all had parents, you know. They say it's, sure. it, it takes a village <laughs> to raise a child. Oh, I think I've been raised by. Uh, village there's so many aunties and uncles that don't know how we're related but even now when I see them they're like I remember you I used to change your nappy you know and stuff like that so grew up in a a, a really really good place so uh, going back to when your mum passed away promoted to glory um, was that tough Um, do you know um, the the last few years of of you know or the last 10 years of my life is I've been trying to explore those memories and that's, that's a real deal for me because um, um, much of that time, I don't really remember my mum too much. And those times it wasn't like social media, it was lots of pictures. Uh, there's very few pictures of my mum that I have. And um, here I was a, a, a young boy, uh, not really understanding um, that she was gone and, and gone forever in, in, in terms of the earthly context. Um, so I think, was it a difficult time? I don't know any, any different. No, but as you sense. said, the community of your family just absolutely l- embraced you, loved the, you, supported you. The black church movement, um, because they were facing so much, uh, what I call um, so much rejection from mainstream community, um, they formed their own churches. And, sure. and I became one of the 
the tr- the children of that. So yes. informing these these little churches that were in rented halls. They didn't yes. have buildings yet. They were in rented halls dotted around London where maybe 30, 40 gathered. And as more people came to the country, it, it grew and it grew. And, and here we were like by the teenagers with... Uh, with maybe 60, 70 teenagers, because everybody's having children, uh, but still protected from much of what was happening outside with the adults. So I think that, yes, um, I have incredible memories of the prayer meetings at home, um, the gathering at home where um, there were some people, when I knew they were coming to our home for a prayer meeting, I was like, oh my, it's going to be all night. Because yes. they're, you know, they're the kind of prayer warriors. It's like, it's not 10 minutes prayer and let's go. No, it's like, there's a fervency, isn't oh there? My. Yes. And, and I would be, I'd be like, um, when I was younger, obviously going through my, my teenage years rebelling, I'd be like, dad, I've got homework. And my dad, my dad will go, okay, get home early, do your homework. We've got a prayer meeting tonight. And <laughs> yes. I'm like, and you've got to play guitar. And I'm like, oh, dad, yes. I, you know because the prayers were loud. Sure. Uh, they held nothing back. <laughs> so people walking past your living room always kind of walk past with that look like, what's going on in there? <laughs> now, you were six when you started to uh, play the guitar. Absolutely, yeah. So what prompted that? My dad was a guitarist. I, I About two years ago, I found out that my mum was the choir mistress oh. for the community church, the church that we were part of. And that's why I could never figure out why there was a piano in the house. So no. I'd play a little bit of piano. Yes. There's this upright piano. And I'd like, why is this piano here? It's taking up space. But actually, it's because my mum, she practised yes. on that when I was, before I was born. So um, the irony of it is that my dad was the backing musician for her guitar. So obviously, no, mum, I'm, I'm watching my dad um, play guitar. I think the significant thing for me was um, was that my dad played his guitar, I don't want to use the word escapism, but to comfort sure. the loss. So I was sitting in a room with my dad playing and he'd be singing those old songs, you know, from the Red Hymn yes. book, Redemption Hymnal. I remember that. You know, yes. never my God to thee, nearer to thee. And I think that They're was my very first... very soothing, aren't they? Yeah, and the, he would just sing and play in his basic way. And I think that, as any son, you want to be like your dad, so he played guitar. Yeah. And I'm always grateful to him for giving me and, and, and stirring that gift in me of music. Um, I'm still attached to the hymns because I, I, I said in a statement one day that it wasn't only me and my dad in the room. Yeah, There was this sense of something else was happening. I, I, I w- wouldn't know what to call it. Now I would say of that course. the Holy Spirit. Oh, the presence, the, of, the presence Lord. of the Lord was in the room as he began to sing from his tender heart that had yeah. been broken and and, and that, that kind of thing. And, and in a way, I think that's that set the the desire in my heart to chase after the presence of God. Of God, yeah. When did you kind of sense in your heart uh, that the Lord wanted you to be a lead worshipper? Well, this is the, the part of the irony of uh, the black church movement was they didn't have worship leaders. That wasn't a terminology that was used to describe the people who led the songs. 
And, and oftentimes, if you're going to a Pentecostal church, you, you'll recognize that, especially black Pentecostalism, you'll recognize that the musicians are off to one side, the singers are off to another side, and the preacher takes uh, the dominant place, where when you start looking at much of the evangelical model, um, you'll see that the music is all centered, the music and the preaching yeah. are together. So I was one of those musicians that was off to the side, but I was the lead musician. Um, so I think leading worship came about because one day um, our singers had to go and do something on a Sunday night and and I was left, what were we gonna do? And I ended up going, well, okay, I'll lead. So I got this song chorus book and I just sat on the piano and started playing and, and singing. And, and what I saw and what I felt, uh, that was the thing that really engaged me, that people began to sing the songs and all of a sudden there was this switch from being turned on by the music, if that's a term I could use, just yeah. being, the music was everything. I mean, know? like, come alive. Yeah, I came yeah. alive when I heard people singing the songs that I was leading. Yeah. And I saw God moving on people, and, and I went, whoa, there must be something about it. But I didn't know this was worship leading. Yeah. It was only until um, um, some years later when I, I, I got involved with um, two great worship leaders, um, my mentor, Graham Kendrick yes. and Ron Canoli, that I, I realized that actually, maybe God, you had really called me to this. So worship leading is a calling. It's not just a response to having a gift, but it's actually a calling to see the people of God, uh, Jesus being revealed to them, um, rather than being called to the music. Yes. So I learned very early on that the music the music can become an idol, so we kind of worship what we do rather than use the gift. And that scripture, Romans 11, always stands out to me. The gift and the calling of God are our repentance. And we can recognize the gifting yeah. because it's, it's very visible. But the calling is a discovery where, and that's what I felt happened. Yeah, I discovered this is something that God wanted to place me in. Yeah. And, you know, we use words like uh, an anointing, a yeah. gifting from the Lord. Yeah. And then obviously that developed. I mean, your skills uh, playing music developed. Mm -hmm. So you were, uh, am I right, initially a musician that became a lead worshipper? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, um, so much of my uh, worship um, that people may consider spontaneous and uh, being able to flow from one thing to another, different styles. That was birthed in me and developed in me before I stood to sing and and say, well, and even write songs. So I think, um, you know, part of my journey in this day is to really just really encourage yes. worship leaders to, um, you know, there's the calling, but there's a the gifting. And, of and, course. And, and you, you've got to grow both. It's a bit like, you know, I, I use this story all the time. Um, a, a young child at three years old drawing a picture of mummy and daddy. And it's, it's, it's a stick man. And there we are holding that picture up. Oh, there's a picture of me, yes. you know, to our yes. family and friends. And it's like, doesn't look anything like you. But that same child whose ability is developed at 25, he's gone to art school. Yeah. He's drawing a picture with depth, width, dimensions yeah. that you look at that picture and go, wow, that you've captured that moment. That's a likeness. Yes. And I think that that's why we have to grow the gift in. But a, a blind painter, you don't see many of them, if no. at all. No. So the ability to see is 
the ability, the spiritual ability to see what God is showing you and to interpret that with your gift. Yes. So when you present it to people, they get Absolutely. a picture of it. Yes. Now, um, when did you start writing songs? Um, very early on, you know, my, my first earliest, I remember being about 14 years old and um, sitting down and going, uh, looking at the hymn book. And I thought, the hymn book, some of the hymn books we had didn't have music to it. So <laughs> I thought, these words look great. Let's just make up a melody. And I did that and I sang it in church. And it was like, oh, it's great, but the song doesn't go like that. And I was like, I don't know how it goes. So I've always been wanting to create um, words that describe what my heart is talking about. Um, and I, and then it really led into um, this whole thing about what about writing songs that can give words to what people feel in, yes. in their heart and give words to their revelation. So um, most certainly over the years, I've constantly just written. Some have been released, some have been put away, yes. <laughs> some have been thrown away. <laughs> you know, as you grow in this thing, you, you kind of like know what works and what doesn't work, you know? I, you know, one day I, was, I had a Saturday job uh, working in a hardware store and I believed I'd written a hit and this this song was like, I got the words and I was like, you know, and the melody was da 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 And I was like, yeah, I've got a new song. Not realising that I'd stolen a Stevie Wonder melody <laughs> and put my own kind of love lyrics to it. And when I sang it, somebody goes, that sounds like Stevie Wonder. And I'm like going, no, God gave it to me. And I thought, what have I been listening to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've been listening to a bit of Motown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it kind of absorbed and in your Absolutely. subconscious. I know, I sometimes I'll say something and people go, oh, it's that a change on original and I think I think so <laughs> you know all I can say is it's Holy Spirit copyright exactly and I, you know I found that quite a lot of songs you know and, and I've got one oh, I think I need to scrap the melody of that because that sounds like something that Matt yeah. Redman wrote um, yes I know <laughs> yeah, but then a lot um, a lot of you've done a lot of collaboration with a lot Absolutely. of worship leaders and, yeah and that's been a great thing hasn't it I, I think so I think one of the most amazing things is like people carrying each other Absolutely. you know I, I can sit in in a room when you speak and and you will you will say a line and I go whoa I'll make a note of it and I go whoa I could use that 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 a familiar context of what you're saying in a song yeah. and 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 that's what I do oftentimes I'm listening to I love people go you're an interesting musician most musicians when the words are going to be preached they kind of like shut down sometimes, but I'm like wide awake because I'm looking for nuggets yes. that I can use in, in the songs to help propel that story, you know? Wow. So collaborating with people it's... actually does work, you know? I can sit in a room with whether they be a songwriter or not. And we recently just rewrote uh, a hymn Yes. Um, that's gonna be used for um, Thy Kingdom Come. Um, you know, I sat with um, a, a couple of guys, you know, and we were commissioned to write a civic hymn, we call it, a hymn that could could help the church to pray for community and the civic world. So we, we decided that we would um, we would take a very familiar melody. Uh, we thought it was sacrilege to use Amazing Grace. We might get into trouble for using that. Yes. Um, and we found the melody that they sang on football terraces. They sang at the opening off abide with me, you know, da, 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 da. and we actually wrote five verses that actually act as a prayer 
for the civic nature of our community, you know, finance, uh, law, um, community, economy, ecology. Uh, and it's called We Seek Your Kingdom. Wow. You know? um, and the final words are uh, transform, revive and heal society. You know, we seek your kingdom throughout every sphere. We long for heaven's demonstration here. And it's that melody. Uh, we're not bringing sacrilege to the melody because we found out that that hymn was po a poem, but then it was an, an organist in London. A Scottish writer wrote the poem and it was an organist many years later put in that melody, eventide, to the words. Yes. So, we, we're actually doing exactly what they've done in the past, taking popular melody and putting words that can encourage people to engage with the things yeah. of God. For a time such as this. Yeah, for a time such as this. Now, many of your songs, uh, Noel, uh, I, I, I would say come under the banner of um, restoration, renewal, revival. Yeah. Uh, you're, 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 a, you're a man of revival. Yeah, I, I would just, people ask me, describe, what you, describe who you are, and they're expecting, um, well, you're worship leader, and actually I go, no, I'm actually a revivalist at heart. Yes. Um, you know, there's a, saying that, there's a saying that God doesn't use a man until he gives him an encounter. And, and the reason why, and I love that picture of the first disciples who didn't have, um, they didn't have the book of Acts, uh, the Thessalonians or the Galatians and all those books in the New Testament, but they became revivalists because of an encounter in an upper room. They saw something that they'd never seen before. They heard a sound they'd never heard before because they said it was like because they could only use, they could only use things that they'd recognize to describe what happened to them in that room. You know, and, and just to cut a phrase, it, it's the two senses that were shut in the Garden of Eden when man fell. Yes. But on Acts 2, they came alive. You know, I was in Israel uh, not too long ago and on a tour and I was like, where's the upper room? Is this the upper room? Well, it's not the quiet, and I'm like, where's the actual one? I go, yeah. well, we don't know. And, but one thing you can't deny is Acts 2, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Because at the end of Acts 2, we see this amazing act of revival, which is another word, evangelism, that happens. That the Bible says 3,000, it numbers it, were added yes. to the church because of an encounter that couldn't be denied. And we know the story of Acts. So many of the disciples went through rejection and people denying, they're crazy, but they had an encounter that they could not shake. Paul had an encounter they could not shake. And I think that in my life, there's been a backdrop of many things that happened that have given me an encounter that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt for myself that God is real. Yes, absolutely. I can't explain it other, any other way. And psychologists and therapists might want to say a different thing or humanists want to say something different. I know that Jehovah Elroy, the God who sees and knows, Jehovah Shalom, my peace is real. Jehovah, my provider, Raphael, my healer, I, he exists and he exists in me. So if nobody believed in a room, I walk with that confidence knowing that God is real. So for, that's my soul being revived, not being revived by an external 
force that's music. And I can sit in a room and listen to great music. I can listen to great preaching. But when great, when the word of God reaches Noel Robinson's soul, yeah. it stirs it more than any music. It actually stirs it more than any worship experience. And this is the thing that I say, God, I thank you for touching the core that the know that's that people can't see, because that's what you see. It's not that my life is without trouble. You know, the way of man is trouble. But if in the midst of my fire, I can look up and see the fourth man. Yes. If in the midst or the bottom of the sea, where big fish has swallowed me up and I'm being strangled by the waves. And you know, I always have a laugh at this, a big fish, you're in its belly, it must really smell. Cause like, to, to eat a human, like what else is in there, do you know? That I can be in the midst of, there's no oxygen, but yet still, the little oxygen that I have, like Jonah did, I begin to offer up thanksgiving and say, Lord, I just wanna thank you. That's more than a song, and I try to always put it in song, uh, but there's something about being able to just say, Lord, I just want to thank you, and I lift up my head to you, and I watch God sometimes suddenly bring me out. Sometimes it's a process, but always at the end, he gets, he gets, he gets the glory. Yes. And Habakkuk, one of the greatest song, I know it's one of the scriptures in the Bible, he's one of the greatest songwriters. He writes this thing in Habakkuk 3 where he goes, even though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there's no harvest in the field, I will praise you because you've made my hind feet strong. And maybe to someone listening today, you're thinking, I'm going through so much. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Take a look at your hind feet, uh, horsepower. Take a look at not what you've lost, but what you've gained. You may find that you've gained some strength and faith is the economy of heaven. Yes. And let the process where God brings us out of that place, of the cloud, brings us out of the shadow of what we're experiencing into the light. So we now cast a shadow. Um, these are some of the things you know that I've been through I've been to that place where like I say even my shadow left me yeah and I felt alone one one of my favorite songs of yours Noel is is rain um <laughs> I, I Alexa knows it very well because <laughs> she's played it for me so many oh, times wow. well go on uh, what what prompted you to write that song well it's interesting how um the backdrop to that song is actually a lament. And the lament was, I feel so dry, Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, went through just, I've gone through many seasons like that. I feel so dry. I don't think I've got anything to offer. You know, and, and I'm doing the same things. I'm playing the same chords over and over again. I'm saying, this, Lord, I feel so dry. And I think it was a prompting um, how would you respond to it? What would be your lament? What would your lament really look like? And my, my lament didn't look like, woe is me. It looked like going, rain, rain on me, open the windows of heaven. Yeah. And my mind is, is cast to 
this beautiful picture of uh, the rain. In some parts of the world, like the UK, we have too many days of rain. But there are parts of the world where they don't have enough days. And every day they wake up going, rain, 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 we need a harvest, we need a crop. And I just felt that there were things that God had buried in me and we started to sing this song, open up the heavens, pouring out a blessing. Lord, we need refreshing till it overflows. And that's the backdrop. It's funny how the backdrop to what we're going through can yeah, produce absolutely. the most incredible moments of faith. Can you sing some of those words to yeah. our it's viewers? Rain, rain on me, open the windows of heaven, open up the heavens, pouring out a blessing. Lord, we need refreshing till it overflows. I hear the sound of revival rain. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. Those three lines or components make up the song. That is a petition, but in the heart of it, it's sung with a heart of praise. And we see God revive us. Revival starts with us. It does start with us, doesn't it? It doesn't Revive start down the road, Lord. it starts with us. Revive us, Lord, mm. I know. You've written many, many songs, Noel. I've got a couple of your CDs here. Um, I mean, nowadays we download a lot. Absolutely, but I still, true. I still like these, don't you? <laughs> I do, actually. Tell us about these. Well, um, Outrageous Love, which is yes. the, the app, the one with me playing the guitar on the front. Um, uh, that was an album done uh, a few years ago. Um, and it's got the song Rain on it. It's got Freedom. Uh, so many different songs that Outrageous Love, it's called. And it speaks about the outrageous love of God um, and and how it meets you in the doorway, sleeping and turn your life around. And then um, the, the, the album that followed up just before the pandemic hit is I yeah. Surrender. I um, yeah. And um, really uh, the songs on that album were written um, because I wanted a songs to say something in every season. Um, you know, I realized that uh, surrendering is an ongoing thing. It's, it's never surrender once, <laughs> then Absolutely. you're surrendered. It's an ongoing thing that uh, we as people, um, because when God does something for us, the thing that we desired him to do, now we can do it. We don't always rely on him. So no. I wanted to just commit everything that I am and everything that I'm doing to surrendering. So that that was that's the real uh, thing for me, um, and I uh, I think that's the strongest song for me in this season. I just want to surrender, even in a pandemic. Surrender was hard, but but I believe that a surrendered life is a life that God can use. Absolutely no, no, you you're, you're an absolute tonic. Um, it's always a joy seeing you, always a joy uh, ministering uh, together. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. It's been a real honour and a privilege. Uh, I tell you, I was looking forward to it. I kept on saying, he's interviewed everyone else. What about me? <laughs> then I got the email <laughs> and I thought, this is so good. I, I, I thank God for your life and oh. all that you're doing, John. You know, how many people's lives you touch. And, and I love the heart, the humility and the power and the grace that you walk in. And that's what I want to emulate. No. So thank you thank for having you. me. Bless no. you. Well, wasn't that refreshing? It truly was refreshing. Can I encourage you uh, to tune in 
to Noel's songs and I, I've, I remember listening to Rain over and over and over again as a prayer uh, that God would saturate my life. Uh, Noel truly helps us tune in to the melody of heaven. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media.